to Prajna Sparks, a podcast where we listen to a Dharma talk, contemplate with our minds and in our hearts, and engage in guided meditation. In this episode, we begin an exploration of meditative inquiry. Please take a moment to like, follow, and review Prajna Sparks. It's the best possible offering, the best possible thanks, as it helps us reach new listeners. Nowadays, we encounter so many different styles of meditation, not just Buddhist meditation practices, but secular practices, practices from other spiritual traditions, and so forth. Often, the common thread through these practices, in addition to specific aims particular to the context where the instructions arise, is bringing some sense of calm to our mind, diminishing stress, building the resilience to engage life with all of its ups and downs, giving us the ability to tap into ease, comfort, and rest in a world that is too much with us. These are all wonderful aims. And many meditation techniques can certainly help us to cultivate more calm, reduce stress, and so forth. Buddhist meditation practice sees these as not the purpose or point of meditation per se. Rather, meditation develops this calm, this contentment with our life, which in and of itself reduces stress, and the presence of mind to respond to situations with resilience and courage as aspects of mind's true nature. From the perspective of the Kagyu lineage of Tibetan Buddhism that I practice, meditation techniques can develop these states, but these are not the endpoint, the aim per se of meditation. The stress reduction that comes from contentment, the calm of mind that comes from practices of concentration, attention, or awareness, the greater resilience and resourcing that happens when we tap into mind's true nature. These are foundations, a basis for going deeper, broader. Simply put, these practices cultivate mind states that are nourishing and replenishing, not only calm and reduced stress, but also actively positive mental states, such as loving kindness or benevolence, caring, compassion, delight, joy, equanimity, devotion, tenderness, love, affection, caring for oneself and others. Many Buddhist practices are actively centered on tapping into these qualities which, in the perspective of my lineage, are intrinsic to mind, already present in mind. 
but not as accessible as we would like them to be, simply out of the habit of not calling them into action, not being familiar with calling up, for example, benevolence or compassion, and falling instead into states that might be less pleasant, less affirming, such as anxiety, depression, anger, or whatever it may be. All of these practices are, in a way, practices of awareness on and off the cushion. Buddhist practice allows us to cultivate mind's endlessly intriguing power, the bottomless well of excellent qualities that is the mind's true nature, our Buddha nature. These practices of awareness are the foundation for the seminal approach of the Buddha Shakyamuni. The Buddha spent a great deal of time cultivating mental states of calm, loving kindness, and the like. He found them very replenishing, very helpful, even necessary foundations. But they are foundations. The critical practice, the practice that cuts through the root, of samsara, the vicious cycle, rebirth, aging, illness, and death, with all of the angst, the tragedy, the ups and downs that we are so familiar with in our lives. However, much happiness, privilege, safety, and shelter we have, however much we think it's secure, all of a sudden, from one day to the next, our privilege our rights, the things we thought were incontrovertible or taken away or disappear. To cut through this cyclic process, the Buddha developed practices of vipassana, a Sanskrit word in Pali, vipassana, usually translated as insight. In Tibetan, the word is latong, which means superior sight or superior view heightened insight. These practices of vipassana are practices of knowing. It's a practice of tapping into the mind's inherent capacity to know with clarity, with accuracy, with precision. This is prajna in Sanskrit, panya in Pali, usually pronounced prajna and translated as precise knowledge. In the Tibetan Buddhist heritage, prajna is developed in various ways, but one of the most effective and most broad-ranging is a process called listening, contemplating, and meditating. It's often used to be able to penetrate the teachings of the Buddha with accuracy and integrate them into our lives. This threefold process is the focus of the first three episodes of Prajna Sparks. Listen, contemplate, and meditate. Today, I want to explore meditative inquiry even more deeply. In fact, this is the beginning of a series of episodes that will explore the technique of meditative inquiry in various ways, using our own immediate experience as the foundation for that inquiry. So let's begin by explaining what meditative inquiry actually is. 
this technique is one that brings together two seemingly opposite kinds of mental activity, rest and analysis, precision and replenishment. Meditative inquiry, thus, is precise, clear, sharp, and penetrating, as well as nourishing, restful, replenishing, and gentle. Now, I don't want to make it sound like it's going to be all rainbows and flowers and unicorns flying across the sky. Sometimes meditative inquiry can bring up discomfort, sensations such as fear or disillusionment or discouragement. Here, too, these are not the point of the practice per se. Rather, the practice is revealing ways that we may be avoiding, bypassing, or repressing uncomfortable truths, realizations about our experience. From a Buddhist standpoint, the root of all of these discomforts we experience in life our inability to continue to sustain a happiness that does not end and avoid discomfort, lack of fulfillment, and outright suffering is misperception about the actual nature of things. It is meditative inquiry that allows us to penetrate to the true nature of things in a way that is precise and accurate while held in a space of awareness, calm, and rest. Meditative inquiry is the term I use to describe a Tibetan word, che gong, often translated as analytical meditation. Che is to examine. Gong is what's usually translated as meditation, literally means to cultivate familiarity to habituate. Meditative inquiry consists of both chegong, which I describe as experiential analysis, and jokong, which literally means resting meditation. So meditative inquiry is a phrase that I really like because it gives the quality of this paradoxical practice. There is an inquiry. There is a quality of analytical activity. This analysis is experiential in character rather than purely discursive or cognitive. The inquiry is also meditative. There is a literal alternation between experiential analysis and the resting meditation. It is this alternation between an embodied, visceral, somatic style of analysis, experiential in character, with the resting meditation, the awareness practice such as shamatha, for example, where we rest the mind in the flow of the breath, that actually allows us to both evoke the precise knowledge of any particular topic that we are encountering in our inquiry, and then also instill it, integrate it by absorbing it through the resting practice. Meditative inquiry is a very dynamic practice. It's a practice where we are using the full range of mind's astonishing capacity, both connecting with experience, 
in an analytical way, developing what I call clear knowing, a sharp, precise, and accurate understanding of whatever we're inquiring into, and then resting in an awareness practice such as shamatha to instill that clear knowing. This is a very general description because it is an experiential practice. It's extremely difficult to explain with words. Once we start to work with it in practice, then it makes more sense. The reason I like to highlight it now is because meditative inquiry is not only valuable for integrating the Buddha Dharma, which it is, and this is a wonderful thing, but it's also really valuable for connecting with our immediate experience, the rawness of it, and working with what can sometimes feel like unmanageable emotions for us. We might be in the grip of anxiety, of depression, of intense aggression, or trauma. While meditative inquiry was not devised to address these situations, it is effective in working with them. The great contemporary Tibetan Buddhist master, Mingyur Rinpoche, has described in great detail how he was able to overcome this, the debilitating level of panic attacks he encountered as a youth through the use of meditative inquiry over time. Now, that's not to say that meditative inquiry replaces therapeutic techniques such as psychotherapy and the like. And I repeat, meditative inquiry was not created for therapeutic purposes. In fact, it was developed at a time where therapy as we know it did not exist. It just so happens that meditative inquiry opens us to mind's capacity to know things with accuracy. When we engage our immediate experience through the lens of knowing it with accuracy, we can drop the storylines around it. We can slowly start to become intimate, familiar with our experience as it is, embracing our experience, good, bad, or indifferent, just as it is, with care, benevolence, and love for it, for us. This very replenishing, very nourishing, and understanding practice can bring a great deal of healing, transformation, and ultimately even transcendence, not only of the discomforts we experience, but the dualistic misperception that is the hotbed for creating such discomforts in the first place. For today, we're going to leave that description of meditative inquiry just as it is. Lama Zopa will lead a guided practice where we begin to use meditative inquiry to examine our own immediate experience with all its rawness. Over the next several episodes, we will continue the use of meditative inquiry to examine right in our own experience, four hallmarks of the Buddha's teachings. Impermanence, discomfort, non-self, and peace. Come and see.
Here are some seeds for your contemplation over the coming week. As you go about your days, whenever a sharp sensation, emotion, or any kind of mental state arises, be it happy or sad or indifferent, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, just notice that it's an experience arising. No need to label it. No need to examine it. Do give yourself a little bit of space. Notice that you are not that sensation, that emotion, that experience. And at the same time, notice that tug, that habit of equating yourself with whatever it is that's arising in mind. That's it. That's all you have to do. And then join us on the quarter moon as we field questions from listeners on meditative inquiry and on contacting our immediate experience. Stay tuned now for a guided meditation with Lama Zopa. Shivni is our Tibetan singing bowl artist. Once again, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to like, follow, share, and review Prajna Sparks. It means so very much to us. If you have any questions, contact us via email, Instagram, or Facebook. Check the episode notes for those links and for more resources on today's topic. Visit us on the web at prajnafire.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Prajna Sparks. Thank you for listening. May all beings benefit. Hello and welcome, friends. Today we're going to be working with meditative inquiry through getting familiar with the immediacy of our experience. To begin with, let's just start by taking our seats, arriving in the present moment. We can do this by tuning in to whatever it is that we're feeling, whatever it is that we're bringing into our meditation session, all with a sense of kindness, allowance, curiosity, just permitting it to be there, noticing whatever is going on for you as you take your seat. We can engage with our meditation posture perhaps feeling the ground or cushion or chair beneath us, feeling the energy in our body as we come fully into awareness of this present moment. Let's just spend a couple of moments feeling into this. Now we can start by engaging in a little bit of shamatha meditation, tranquility meditation, in order to settle the mind, to hone our focus, in order to get to that sweet spot of clear and easeful attention. We can do this by focusing on the breath, or a stone placed in front of us, or an imagined brilliant sphere of white light in the center of our chest or really any other focal object for meditation that feels appropriate to us 
at this time and place. Again, the point is just to use this focal object as an anchor for our awareness. We don't want to hold it so tightly that it distracts us. We just want to cultivate one-pointed, useful attention on it, allowing us to notice whenever our awareness gets either dull and unclear or distracted, chasing after thoughts. And whenever we notice, we just bring attention back to that anchor point. So let's practice like that for a minute or two to settle our mind. Now we can begin to move into meditative inquiry, into our immediate experience, using the method that Lama Yeshe was describing in the Dharma talk portion of this episode. We engage in alternating between resting meditation and experiential analysis. The way that we can do this is simply by focusing on a sensation, an emotion, or an experience that is present for us right now. If we are new to this practice, it may be best to choose an aspect of your present experience that is not very intense. Remember to take care of yourself as you engage with this and any meditation. You don't have to drive yourself hard. Just open to being with your experience, paying close, kind, yet unattached attention to it. This does involve some experiential analysis and immediate inquiry into what is going on for us. We're not thinking about it, not trying to gather intellectual, rational data to get to a cognitive understanding of it, but rather feeling into what is going on and paying attention to that. We don't need to solidify it or hold it steady. We just allow our focus to hone in on the present moment experience that you are choosing for your meditation. The point here is to step fully into presence with the experience. Allow it to be 
without resisting it, either overtly or subtly, or trying to control it, to drive it away, or to make it last. Engage in experiential analysis simply by observing carefully, in an immediate felt way, the sensation or the emotion, tuning into the raw immediacy of the experience. Notice any shifts that happen, if fear or boredom, worry or enjoyment come up. Allow those to be the object of your attention. Be with the present raw vibrancy of experience. If this produces a clarity, a clear knowing for you, let your attention rest one-pointedly in that clear knowing, letting go of the sensation or emotion as the focus. When this clear knowing fades or becomes less sharp, simply return your attention to a sensation or emotion that is present. Watch it closely without identifying with it or being invested in it. Don't try to make it remain or to go away. Just watch it naturally unfold. Practice in this way, alternating between the experiential analysis of an emotion or sensation and the resting one-pointedly in any clear knowing that comes of that. If it feels to you like no clear knowing is arising for you, allow yourself to rest at intervals by simply letting mind return to one-pointed, easeful attention of shamatha meditation. After you've rested briefly in shamatha, return back to the meditative inquiry of your experience of sensation or emotion without judgment or bias. Let's practice like this 
for four or five minutes.
To conclude our meditation, let's just take a moment to share whatever goodness has come from this practice with all beings, such that they may all be free, aware, and mindful. Thank you for all that you do and are.